when somebody asks a phenomenal question, you tag phenomenal people in that that you know could answer the question better than you. And it's also answering the question yourself if you know the answer. I got this one. This is what it is. It's being vulnerable yourself. It's being transparent. When you're transparent, whether you're running a team or a community, there's going to be inherent confidence that's just put into you because I trust this person. Trust is like the most important thing. Welcome to the Rising Leader Podcast, bringing forth the new wave of rising leadership and helping leaders find purpose, connection, and results. This is your host, founder of Alluviance, Alex Kremer. Welcome back to the Rising Leader Podcast. And if this is your first time joining us, welcome to the show. This is your host, Alex Kremer. I am joined by someone who I've been looking forward to this show for a good amount of time now. It's a Friday here in New York City, and it is beautiful out. And I remember on Monday, I saw that I had this show schedule. I was like, man, this is going to be a good show here. I am joined by the amazing, the wonderful Jared Robin. And first off, what's up, Jared? Good to see you, man. What's up, Alex? I wish we had more time. I wish we had like three hours to just <laughs> record, like Lex Friedman style. Let's go Joe Rogan podcast, just like completely let it rip. Yeah. If there's a lot of success to it, we should do this again because I love speaking with you and I'm appreciative to be here. Oh yeah, man. Hell yeah. Let me just provide a little bit of intro on you and I'll let you fill in the blank. So Jared, you are the co-founder of Rev Genius, which is a community of you know, more than 35,000 revenue generating sales and marketing professionals, you know, really, and I'm inspired by this, is just bringing people together to learn, to share, to support, to grow each other. And in addition to that, you're the founding member of RevRoom, which is a community of some of the most respected leaders within the technology space. And in addition to that, you have some of the best flow in the game. And I would say, as someone who is growing my hair out, I aspire to have a great man buns such as yourself <laughs> and i'll also say I'll Are, is, is that a goal of yours because i have a hairstylist i'll give you i have product i'll suggest i'm surprised we actually haven't talked about this yet because yes it is a goal of mine and so i could definitely take some good notes from you yeah if somebody close to where i live in brooklyn that is phenomenal Okay. But okay. keep growing it. Keep growing it. Awkward. Unfortunately, go through the awkward phase. And we'll There's get many awkward phases. I'm in my 18th awkward phase, and that's just the story of my life at this point. Oh, bad. Jared, you and I, we met out in Brooklyn, I think, what is that, like a month or so ago? I got a coffee with you. I think you were cool drinking a liquid death. And, um, and then we talked know, about liquid death. We talked about liquid death Brand. for a long time. But you taught me a lot in that conversation. I've thought about a lot and really about what does it mean to build community? What does it mean to really own your path and just be your full freaking self? We've been able to keep in touch and chat here and there. I'm inspired by what you're doing. So I'm excited just to kind of dive in and see what makes you you, man. Like, why are you doing what you're doing? <laughs> man, I think everybody's goal, whether they admit it or not, is to do something they want to be doing from top to bottom, so to speak, that just aligns. Alignment is so critical in a company's growth, and it's so critical in your personal growth. If your parents forcing you to do math, and you just aren't good at it or whatever, and forcing you here or there, you might do it because you're being forced. You might do it because the people around you are doing it. You know, a different level. If you're not being forced, you might do it because you think it's what you should be doing. And a lot of people have been in each of those levels. 
but is it what you truly want to be doing? So like over the course of life, you need to have some of those conversations with yourself. And even if it means making a lateral move or taking a step back, all the people going from not SaaS into SaaS, a lot of them are making lateral moves if they're lucky. And they don't even know if that's congruent. This is what they think they should do, right? And they're doing this. Just being aligned top to bottom is what got me here today. And frankly, before Rev Genius, I used my side hustles, so to speak. I'd call them passion projects. I didn't care to make money from them. I kind of wanted to. I wasn't hell-bent on it, but I realized the need to have passion in something I work with during my life, not just a hobby, because I wanted to do this. So I launched a fashion magazine because I sat down with my best friend at the time, and we said, what do we really like out of life? We're both a little disenfranchised. I wasn't getting paid on time. My first SaaS job, he was a nightclub promoter and he wanted to get out. We're like, let's keep it simple. We like fashion, we like fitness, and we like fun. What does that look like together? And we distilled that fashion was what we liked the most. And we're like, okay, great. We know nothing about fashion. What are we going to do? Go get entry-level jobs in fashion as a 30-year-old, get like a 30K, 40K job? I'm like, that doesn't sound interesting. I said, let's just create a blog. Let's brand it as a magazine, a digital magazine, and let's figure it out. And we did. That led me to doing like fashion technology, which didn't work out, which led me to other things. We all have this journey of trying to figure out, and I hope we're maximizing this. Some of us are not, and it's in no fault of us. It's just fear disguised as practicality along the way. And I had that right up until I was forced to do Rev Genius. And I just said, you know what? Shit was so dire in COVID, especially without a job. I'm like, if it's not now, it's never. So I was able to fully align and then just go all in. I mean, I think there's a lot of people who feel that same way of, is this really congruent with what I'm trying to do? And maybe at one point they did feel that way. Like I know a lot of people who... You know, I even look between the years of 2018 to 2021, for many, that was the golden age of tech. (laughs) Everybody had money, everybody was selling deals. And if you were selling in the tech space to the tech space, you're most likely doing well. And since crossing that threshold of COVID and into 2022 and beyond, people have now started to say, is this really what I'm meant to be doing? It filled me up and it fulfilled me so much at one point, but a lot of people are now questioning, huh, so if it's not this, what is it? And I think it's impressive that you had, so to speak, the cojones to try it, (laughs) make a fashion digital magazine that is so unique and different and also outside of your comfort zone. I was work from home before work from home was a thing. So like I had a lot more flexibility. (laughs) I'd pick up garments at lunch from uptown, prepare fashion shoes during the day, hop on sales calls in the afternoon. We had a joke. We worked nine to five, 9 a.m. to 5 a.m. every day because he was a nightclub promoter, remember? So like I'd have to go out at night to have business conversations with him because the dude slept till 3 p.m. I had to talk to him about that at some point as well. But like... Dude, what a time. It's not even cojones. It's a bigger risk to not do what you want or not exhaust your ambition and what you truly want. It's a challenge for many because they need a day job to live. This is a big challenge that I empathize with all the way. I challenge back 
to do a passion side hustle. You'll always have excuses for not doing something. Why don't you create some for doing it? And if you have the money coming in, okay, so you work extra hours. If you have a family, okay, I see that excuse too. And I understand it and it makes a lot of sense, but there's a will, there's a way. I don't know, wake up at 4 a.m. I do. Mm -hmm. I think the concept of the side hustle in the past 12 months has become more relevant than anything. I mean, it's always been a thing, but more people are not just doing it, but they're advertising it. And organizations and companies that you you have a W-2 on, they're supporting it. And in fact, how many people do we see posting on LinkedIn, giving a small- They don't post about their day job. They post about their side hustle. They post about their side. I mean, they're account executives or they're sales leaders and they're posting sales tactics. They have a mini course. They have, you know, whatever it might be. At the end of the day, though, that's also creating a great brand for whatever company that they're at because, hey, this person has a great brand. They represent our company to a capacity. Why wouldn't I support that? I love it. I love that there's building a culture of doing things on the side. I feel that there's a culture right now that the side hustles have to be the same thing they do for the day job to help the next people. There's a massive cult. Like if you ask 20 people what their side hustles were that had side hustles, I find it hard to believe that 19 of them didn't directly involve the audience that they're talking about on LinkedIn to create a fashion magazine. Like, get out of here. My follow up to that is, it doesn't need to be a fashion magazine, but is this really your passion or is this what you learned in a course? Is this you just trying to make more money or are you following your passion? And there's nothing wrong with making more money. A lot of jobs don't pay what you need to make to even live in a city like New York, right? And I get that and that's good. But going back to the original point of aligning with what do you really want to do? I want to teach SDR boot camps said no 16-year-old ever. I wanted to do TJB Auto Detailing, Troy Jared Bryan. And I wanted to be an entrepreneur. And it took me 20 years to realize that. And then along the way, I had other passions. Like I was really into the arts and stuff. And I wanted to figure out, and I don't want to knock solopreneur. You can make a million dollars a year. You can make $3 million a year doing this. And that's big and important. And that's massive. And that could buy you freedom. You know, I gently push back like, Is that what you really want? Are you still in the same conundrum? You just have more money. That's a big, important thing, right? Do you like your job more? Is it more aligned because you're making a million a year or you're getting paid fairly? It doesn't necessarily make you happier. And the passion side project might not make you happier either, but I think aligning is a path towards being joyful. Yeah. I think aligning is valuable because if, and I'm all for having a tech sales job hypothetically and then running a fashion magazine, if that's truly what makes you fulfilled. But also what that can cause you to do is feel like you're doing and living two different types of lives. What I do think is important that if you are doing a side hustle, there needs to be some sort of movement in terms of both or intertwinement between both that's moving towards the same general vision, the same general goal, because then you can just show up and you can be your authentic self within both knowing that it's all going towards whatever mission or service you're trying to provide. I love that. And you're going to get a lot further doing that. I guess in my journey, I wanted to get out of this. And that's why I built in this because I realized there's others disenfranchised too. Your path is a smarter one, probably. Well, let's talk about this now. So you started Rev Genius. How long ago did you start Rev Genius? Three years come June officially. Okay. And by the way, if you have not given Jared a follow on LinkedIn, please make sure you do so. He's producing not just great content. I mean, he's just got one of the best and coolest profile pictures I've 
say out there on the game is Harris hanging down. What car are you sit? Are you squatting? It's down a DeLorean. Right? It's from an art exhibit when I was in the art space exploring that. My CEO took it at the time, so that's why I felt it was linked inappropriate. If your CEO takes a picture, like of course. And the gull wings were up. Is a Daniel Arsham? Do you know Daniel Arsham art exhibit? Daniel Arsham is a cool contemporary artist that's done some collaborations with some lifestyle brands and stuff and it's cool dude okay okay well it's an amazing picture and thank you squatting right in front of a delorean is pretty badass there and it's also just very you it's just like owning your uniqueness you're just like this is just who i am and it creates a transmission coming from just your profile in terms of representation of what is rev genius what is rev room who is jared robin and RevGenius has now been around for three years. You know, you've got about 35,000 people within this community. You're continuing to connect and create more. I mean, now RevRoom is around with, you know, leaders of some of the best tech companies. And that's really starting to gain a lot of momentum. Take me back. I mean, you were in SaaS. Then you started a digital fashion magazine. You're now starting RevRoom. How did this all come about? And how have you now seen the type of success that you have now? Yeah, I think from leaving FedEx and going to tech, it's the most important move of my professional career. It got me so uncomfortable for so many reasons. Not getting paid on time, no product market fit, starting a product with no clients, no money in in my account or the company's account at some point. But right around that time, I made a point, and it was about 10 years ago, to do what I wanted. And I think that's a big thing. So the fashion magazine, you think about it, there's editorials and fashion shoot productions where you have models, photographers, hair and makeup stylists, all of this. You put it together in a digital format and you view it. We've won International Fashion Film Awards. That's all great, what you see, like the output. But the input to that was a lot of people working together for a common good. and the reason why it was so cool outside of the heavy curation, and I'd like to take some credit for having decent taste with what we did there and what we created. What was so cool was we had no budget on anything, certainly no serious budget, like maybe budget to buy lunch for people, no more than that. And have all these people coming together for the common good. What was the common good at the time? What was the problem that we were solving? And this is a key thing that gets sometimes I feel lost on communities because the problem that the community that joins the SaaS problem is solving is to drive demand for the SaaS product or to help the customers of the SaaS problem. I get it, (laughs) but let's think of the true challenge. So the problem we were solving and what we realized with creating this was emerging designers, people under five years old were overshadowed by big fashion brands, all the ones that you know and love, like fashion and lifestyle everywhere in publications, on runways, in events, all of this. And we're like, huh. We went to the shop and found like all these incredible designs that we liked even more than the mainstream stuff. And we're like, oh, these are all emerging people? Oh, so like they actually have better stuff? This is easy to support. Creating really good content with a really good purpose around people all going for the common good. The thing I miss the most is probably the community of folks around it, like coming to our mag launch parties and all of this. The community thing started. Then a couple of my day jobs, so to speak, became marketplace jobs where I was connecting buyers and sellers, supply and demand for the marketplace, which is really community as well. Just started leaning in to all these vibes and it just became natural to build community because 
I took away the product, so to speak, and let the community be the product and let the people be part of the experience, I guess. But that was the evolution. The magazine working together and like, oh my gosh, imagine winning Best International Fashion Film on a call from a WeWork when you're disenfranchised at an enterprise sales job and you get this call and you walk out of the room with your VP and you walk into like the common area where they can't listen and you're told that you won Best International Fashion Film. You say, fuck this shit. I'm out. <laughs> do you do that on the spot? Right then and there, you the got spot. that call I, I mean, and then you say, I quit. I'm done with this. <laughs> no, no, I didn't. I didn't have those types of kahunas, nor that type of bank account to support it. Yeah. Well, you know, I think you make a really good point. It's always been about community. And I don't know how many people I'm hearing it from, and myself very much included, everybody's saying, I just want community. I need community. Everybody's wanting it. And the way that people are commuting, nobody has it. And I don't know why that is. I mean, is it because everybody's working from home? Everybody is at a job. Everybody's looking over the person they're talking to shoulder and saying, you're not it. There's something better out there. Like this concept of community that you've really built for the sales and marketing world how have you now gone about even creating this community? And what is even the problem with why are so many freaking people saying I want community and not having it? I think people really want community much more now than 10 years ago, even in this space, because they're not afraid of what their company will say anymore. They don't give a shit. I don't know how long you've been in this game, so to speak, but there's a time when you went to work, you went home and you did something completely else and you didn't care and you wanted to like wash your hands from it. But a combination of social media, but specifically LinkedIn, you know, opening the door for it to be okay to keep it going without the job part, but with other people in the space really opened up people to realize that it's out there. And then people want it because they want help solving a challenge they may have. They might want help. Those challenges might be temporary, like trying to find a job, you know, hey, I need a better network now or community to help me get into SaaS. That's a common one where they've built a lot of stuff up or just through leadership challenge. You take your first leadership role. I need a network of people. I don't just need a mentor. I just want more than that. And community sprouted up in response to that. Going back to the problem we solved with the fashion magazine, the problem we solved with Rev Genius or are continuously solving was a space for everybody. I felt whether I was right or wrong from what I saw, there wasn't a space that was open, inclusive of everybody from a senior leader to an individual contributor, like early in their careers, for no money. There was some other communities. So we created the space and it took off, I believe, because people had a space. Why they say they need community now, we might not be solving their needs right now. And it's hard to solve everybody's needs. A lot of people have very niche needs, but we are being thoughtful to rebuild community within Rev Genius. More to come on that. Build more small community with Rev Room. And I'm just building community this year. And when I say building community, I'm not acquiring more members per se, although with Rev Room, that's a natural progression that I need to acquire more members. But with Rev Genius, I'm sure our target, we have some growth targets, but they're not crazy from like net new. They're crazier with building stuff in to engage more and to build more spaces and to simplify things. We can't be everything to everybody. Early on, we tried to be, and then we were nothing to, I mean, I don't want to say we're nothing to nobody, but we weren't as powerful as we could have been. And we were powerful. 
And today I did an exercise on LinkedIn, just how easy it is to create community. My suggestion, if you're looking for community, is super niche. I got off the phone this morning with a leader looking for a fintech community for GMs. I'm like, we're not going to create that anytime soon. And the reason why, because he had very specific needs around actuary stuff, like different levels of risk and all. I'm like, wow, I certainly empathize with your need for that. And yeah, people have needs that aren't satisfied all the time. So create it yourself, invite other people. But on LinkedIn today, I said, hey, just comment that you want in and I'll show you how to build one like right now. And we have this LinkedIn DM popping now group with like people <laughs> introducing themselves and stuff. And then I said, tomorrow I'm going to explain why that's not all you need because you need to solve a core challenge. <laughs> but yeah. I mean, let's talk about the concept of community real quick, because what really is it? Like when I think about myself being in community, there's this feeling of like, this is my crew. I've got a backstop here. I can be myself and also I can share openly and honestly what the hell I'm struggling with. Not even just like what I'm struggling with, like even if it was a community for sales professionals, I can be honest, be like, hey, I don't know how to do powerful discovery. And there's not a fear that comes with it as much. It's more of like, I feel more whole, like I'm taken care of. I'm being supported. There's a foundation for it. And how the leader or the person who's creating a container actually creates a space or creates an environment to allow that to occur I think goes overlooked very often because it's not just, hey, let me just get a whole bunch of people together and they're all have similar backgrounds and they all have similar problems and let's talk about stuff. That's an association or something. This episode is brought to you by Alluvians. Alluvians is helping sales professionals and sales leaders master the craft of sales by transforming the inner game. Last year, we threw over four retreats and helped over 150 tech sales professionals, leaders, and founders. And next, we got it going on May 3rd through 5th in the beautiful Austin, Texas area. So make sure you apply to alluvians.co to check it out for more. Yeah, a community is something different and it takes a certain transmission coming from the person who's getting the people together and also getting a certain transmission coming from one or two or three leaders who are individuals within the community, participants, but who are willing to take that first step to break the ice, to really go there. And sales leaders can do that for their team. Like you can create community on your sales team. You can create community within your culture, within your company, whatever it might be, but it's different there. It's a different feeling, it's a different taste. I'm curious if you have any thoughts on that or like, what do you do to actually create that feeling there? You know, it's funny. We just changed our mission that aligns more with what you're saying. I think it's a lot of little things. So our updated mission for Rev Genius is we want to create trusted spaces for curious revenue professionals who are collaborating on the future of B2B go-to-market. Those three words I gave emphasis on, trusted, curious, collaborative. Collaboration working together, right? Like it's understanding that everyone can give and then setting rules and foundation rules. I hate saying rules, but guidance, right? Stuff like give more than you receive being a rule really helps set the pace. Does it mean everybody's going to do it? No, but it does mean that's how you're going to moderate don't sell, no promotion, limit the things that are like me, 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 unless it directly benefits a conversation happening. Like if you're talking about sales engagement platforms and you say, hey, have you heard of outreach? 
that makes some sense. But if you're talking about nothing and you say, have you heard of outreach? It's pretty rad. That becomes much more obviously promotional and a whole different energy. One case is you're finessing it. It's like, oh yeah, duh, this is a cool point. In the other case, you're being a self-promoting person. So you also need at the top to build a culture. Our first 500 members or so, I've vetted to an extent before everyone could come in, but I wanted to make sure the first 500 people had a certain energy. And it's so sense of subjective and so weird. But it started with their first 25. They were all tight-knit. And I wanted them to recommend people that they liked, that they thought were good people that had similar vibes to them. And they did. And a culture of listening to them and what they want to have versus just telling and putting structure in is important for the success of the group, but also for the success of the culture. It's listening and understanding what's a need to have versus a nice to have versus what they think they need. (laughs) but they don't need really rewording what figuring out what they actually need. I've had those conversations quite a bit. Yeah. So setting that pace, moderation is big. You have 35,000 people. You can't set the pace for 35,000 without moderation. You can What what, what does moderation mean to you? It means a combination of things. It means teaching people when they're doing something wrong, deleting that type of content in Slack and other platforms. It's starting the conversation too, based on hot topics and helping the direction of the conversation. I mean, that's a key thing that you are needing to do, right? You are the one who's being required to set the pace. I mean, you're the one who's facilitating the conversation, the topic. If you're wanting to create an environment where people open up and be vulnerable, you first need to set the tone. 100%. And moderation is also tagging people in. When somebody asks a phenomenal question, you tag phenomenal people in that that you know can answer the question better than you. And it's also answering the question yourself if you know the answer. I got this one. This is what it is. It's being vulnerable yourself. It's being transparent. When you're transparent, whether you're running a team or a community, there's going to be inherent confidence that's just put into you because I trust this person. Trust is like the most important thing, right? And transparency leads to trust. Telling them the good the bad and the ugly and getting ahead of it all, they love it. And they appreciate it, I should say. And the best part is the ugly, they'll probably pat you on the shoulder and say, that's not bad. Like I made that mistake five times. So then when you do that back and forth, it's like, yeah, sorry. um, I blasted everybody in our database. Something just meant for a few people. Or I did, hey, first name on an email to the community. You know, it's funny. We, We borrowed HBO's response. Like, Hey, we want to say it was the intern. It actually was, but we love her and it's on all of us and all of this. I forget what they said. It was so human and it was so cool. So anything you could do to build trust. So this isn't necessarily moderation, but this is building that energy. It's doing everything in your power to be an advocate for the people in the community. Mm. Get people jobs for $0 and giving more than you take yourself way more than you take is essential to be the number one giver. Being an advocate for others. I mean, I think there's the fine line between am I building this community for me so that I can be built up and make myself feel worthy and make myself you know, in front of this, or am I really creating a powerful community that other people are getting lifted up. That's my job. 
as I facilitate this, even as a team leader, how often have we seen different types of sales leaders who say, I'm so great. Look how much my team is producing in terms of revenue versus the people who say, look how great my team is. Look how great Kurt and Laura and Clara and all these different types of people are who are producing the revenue. I'm just the person who might be leading the team. So with community, I think to an extent you do it for yourself, but not to make yourself popular. You do it for yourself because you're creating something yourself three years ago wish they had. And you realize that there's a lot of yourselves out there. And that's how you get the empathy sauce, right? Because like you yourself wish you had that. And then you hear other people saying that too. And it's like, wow, you get real deep empathy from that. You create it for yourself to satisfy your professional needs, not to satisfy your ego needs or other things. And I think that's natural and I think that's okay. And then you realize that's day one. And then you realize along the way, oh my gosh, there's so much more. It's like, wow. Because I think you have to feel the problem day one that you start it. You have to feel it. I was on another podcast and I said, pollution's a problem. I'm going to create a community. If I don't feel that, it's not going to be authentic. So day one, you need to feel it and then see other things and then you can learn to feel easier. You need to be excited by the problem that you're trying to solve for. I mean, even going back to what we were talking about for people developing all these side gigs, you know, all these sales reps, all these sales leaders who are starting to post more about sales and about tactics and strategies. It's because you said it best. It's like, look back on who you were and what you were struggling with two to three years ago. That's the person that you get to serve. That's the person that you say, hey, I know what they're struggling with. I know methodologies or ways or mindsets in order to get through it. Let me give back. And very few people do that. And it's like, sure, I don't want pollution and climate change. But like, I'm not feeling that every single day. I think it's such a good point of you have to be in it to create community around it. Yeah, I don't drive a car. I'm sure you don't either. Things around that aren't going to hit as hard. And if it doesn't hit as hard, I'm not going to be as good at it. And I'm not going to be as good at bringing it to market. Although there's exceptions with that, man. I'm sure we could come up with a bunch, but that's just me. So let me ask you this. So you are obviously, you know, talking with tech sales professionals and tech sales leaders literally every single day. You are in these deep conversations. You are facilitating powerful transformation, just community. What are you seeing right now? What are people struggling with that you just have an inside view because your people are being openly intimate with you because of who you are and what you've created? What are people struggling with? You know, it all depends on who you're speaking to the most at the moment because everybody has their own struggles. So right now, people are looking for jobs. In the past, I spent so much time on that. I'm just spread so thin so many ways, but people are still looking for jobs. Companies are hiring companies are laying off quite a bunch of people. I mean, that's public knowledge. You're seeing it. It's a difficult time right now in the market. It's difficult. People aren't hitting their numbers. I think whatever stats of people hitting their numbers last, it's below. I think it might even be quite a bit below. You have many exceptions, but you have amazing leaders like yourself. You might be chugging along just fine, but a lot of folks out there, I think people are struggling with outbound. Outbound's changing. What worked a year ago doesn't work today. What worked five years ago definitely doesn't work today. But ironically, what worked 10 years ago does, cold call. It's weird. Companies aren't doing a good job enabling. Reps, early stage, might not have the go-getter chops that the last generation had, figuring it out themselves or whatever. There's so many different dynamics. Leaders are looking for smaller spaces with other leaders, exclusive, that they aren't necessarily getting elsewhere. Some leaders are looking to transition into fractional roles. 
There's just so much going on. I think the big takeaway is change. Change will always happen, but yeah, there's a whole transformation of everything being done differently. No playbook can translate to the next company or the next year without probably significant modification, to tell you the truth. I couldn't agree more with you. Everything's changing. I mean, when you start to add in AI, chat, GPT, everything changing in terms of how we do outbound, how we close deals, in terms of how you enable people, how you create culture. And Go to market motions. Your product led now. Your sales last year. You're both tomorrow. Like all the same old challenges with VCs with shorter leashes, so to speak, right now. Money is not flowing plentifully. So that creates a lot of stress on the system. Seeing all of that change is so big. Leaders wanting to do personal branding. SDR is doing personal branding so well that they get leadership roles somewhere. Like you see everything. It's crazy. So it's people wanting to be that SDR, not realizing why. People testing influencer marketing and having various levels of success and blah, blah, blah. I have one more question for you here. And I love this conversation because it's about what I care about most and also. What you just touched on there of everything is changing. There's a part of me that just was like, all right, I'm not the only one who feels it. (laughs) Like, And if people are saying, this is the way, this is how you do it. Sure, there's a perspective, but nobody's sure. Nobody is 100% confident. And even if it is right today, tomorrow it could be wrong. And that requires a certain amount of letting go with that. And my last question is this. Just quickly, you have to get ahead of everything, but you don't have time. Nobody has time. You should spend 12 hours a day learning AI. I honestly think you should. You don't have the time though. If you did, I do think you would get ahead of it, but let the next round of AI startups figure that out instead of you, and then you pay them a SaaS subscription. We're all good. Yeah, that's a good call out right there. I think what it's requiring and asking of all of us is just be present. We're continuously trying to move away from the past and trying to move towards the future, and neither one of those places are going to make us happy. Only thing we can do is just be where you are. I think not only is this poignant, it's important. If you look at the commonalities for the last five years, what's happened over the years to change, sure. An increase in noise, social media, gum road courses, people promoting themselves, all of this, and tooling. When the economy was good, geez, we probably 10x sales tools, but an increase in noise. And when you have an increase in noise, you do two things. You could run around like a chicken without its head. It'll keep increasing. You're never going to catch up to it. And that's going to do something internally to you that's going to be triggering in some ways. Or you could just say that that's part of it. And to your point, be present and not let it really sway you in one way or another emotionally. Man, we could, you're right. This should have been a three hour podcast because I could have really just jammed well, we out. Have more. We'll get everyone excited and we'll do two hours next time. Yeah. So first off, before my last question, Jared, I just want to acknowledge you, man. Thank you for being real. Thank you for developing the community that you are and also inspiring me as I develop community and other people who are listening to the show develop community. You're blazing a trail by fully fucking being you, dog. I acknowledge and I see you for that. And it's having a massive transmission in the world. Thank you. And thank you for being you and for pursuing (laughs) everything that is you. Yeah, man. Working on it every single day. And... Here's my final question for you. We talked about a lot today. Community, the changes happening, all of it. The show is obviously called The Rising Leader Podcast. What do you view as the rising leader? So the person that's the rising leader is somebody that's true to themselves. 
that's honest with themselves. So even if they don't know something, whether it's literally like on how to scale their business or their team, or emotionally get triggered by something, it's being real with that all. And the rising leader is real with themselves so that they could project realness to the team around them, whether it's on the same level because you're not that leader yet, or you just became a leader and it's to your team. This is critical. The rising leader understands that what they project has an impact on others emotionally. If it has an impact on others emotionally, it has an impact on the work that they produce and the goals that you ultimately have. So that person sensitive to all of that treats others with care, but also acknowledges that they're in control of themselves ultimately and everything that emanates. That was a pretty fire answer, man. Thank you for that. Mm. Well, Jared, man, thank you for being on the show, dog. It was awesome doing this. And I can't wait for part two, maybe even part three. You know, If we do part two in three and a half hours, which I'm not opposed to at all. Then we need to be in person. Maybe. It would have to be in person. That would be rad. We could just do right. that. Let's, I'll see that. Let's do that. <laughs> so, for the listeners, thank you as always for joining the Rise and Leader podcast. If you like this, make sure you give Jared a follow on LinkedIn. Make sure you check out Rev Genius as well. He is creating such great community there. And if you listen to this and you know somebody needs to listen as well, make sure you share it and spread the good word. Thank you as always and have a great rest of your day. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Rising Leader Podcast. Make sure you hit that follow button so you get notified every time a new episode releases. If you know someone who wants to take their lives and their career to the next level, send them this episode so we can all rise together. For more information, check out alluviance.co. We'll see you next time. And in the meantime, keep letting it flow. This episode is brought to you by Alluviance. Alluviance is helping sales professionals and sales leaders master the craft of sales by transforming the inner game. In the past 12 months, we've thrown over four retreats and impacted over 100 tech sales professionals, leaders, and founders on diving in deep on what really matters, but really mastering the craft and being in an incredible community. Our next Arise Immersion is coming up this May 3rd through 5th in the beautiful Austin, Texas area, and make sure sure you grab your spot, check out alluviance.co to apply there. Hope to see you there.